Live in the entertainment capital of the world. will score, and the Oakland A's walk off with game two of the ALDS. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. And Turner in the air center field, that ball's hit well. Martinez on the run, this is way back, and it is gone! It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner! The doctor is now in... Yes, it's Tuesday, middle of July. You know what that means. It's the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Tonight, American League National League at Coors Field in Colorado. Appreciate Steve Sachs joining us last hour, getting his thoughts on that. Of course, Sachs, you can catch him on the MLB Network Radio Series XM89. And also uh, his new podcast, Sachs in the Morning, as well. Talking a little bit about uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And yes, the lineups and the rosters, uh, really not that flavorful, but I am intrigued. Uh, I know a lot of people were intrigued with the Home Run Derby last night. Again, like, like I said earlier, just it just kind of drove me nuts. I think the concept it is It drags good. on and it on. It does. On. It just, it just, it's, it's irritating. And uh, I got to believe, you know, even though that, you know, many people will think that, okay, Otani's not tired or whatever. He was gassed. He was gassed. He was hitting line drives. He was popping stuff up. He had to take all those timeouts. And then he is expected to pitch tonight. It's just, it's strange. We talk about throwback. I mean, people want to say throwback to Babe Ruth, that sort of thing. I mean, this, this is what it's like. It's like, hey, we're going to you know, swing the bat over 100 times, and then we're going to be the starting pitcher of the All-Star game, and he's going to bat leadoff. I mean, you know, pitchers aren't allowed to do anything. We've seen pitchers, and it's still done today, where they know that they're going to pitch like the next day and they got to travel. They travel a day ahead to their city. Yeah, to get acclimated to the room and the time zone everything. and everything else. And, and to just, rest. Yeah, to just rest. Yeah. Just rest, you know? So, like, and, and, and that really seemed to change a little bit, too, in a lot of uh, teams and managers' minds. Way back when Mariano Rivera injured himself running those little sprints in the outfield on that, and all of a sudden a lot of people went, whoa, What's he doing that for? Well, I don't know. Pitchers have only been doing that since the beginning of playing baseball. But one guy gets injured, especially if it's a name like that, and all of a sudden we need to rethink everything. I mean, remember, what does Nolan Ryan and people, what do they think of, like, pitch counts in that? The, the pitch count was, I'm done when the game's over. Right, right. <laughs> and, again, you just, you know, these guys can go deep because we'll see it. We saw Garrett Cole. I mean, 127 pitches against the Astros on Saturday. And once these guys start reaching 90 pitches and get to 100, oh, my goodness. You know, it's like, now, of course, you don't want to do that every start. But these guys are capable of throwing. And here's what a lot of people fail to realize, too. You can manage this by what you do with your warm-ups. And I'm talking about pregame warm-ups. I mean, I've seen pitchers throw... 200 pitches on the day that they're going to start in the bullpen. And, you, of course, you, know, you start with your, your soft toss, then you go with your long toss, and then you, then you get into the bullpen, you're throwing off the mound. And when you're all said and done, you could be throwing 150 to 200 pitches. before, And you're, you're throwing the same pitches. And with some of those, in about 20 to 30 
to 40 of those, you're throwing with pretty much the same velocity that you do in the game. So you can manage that. And, and I, was, I was always one to I want to warm up you know, less is more type of thing because I want to save all my good stuff yeah. for the game. And you just then, you just want to get loose. Yeah, just loose. You know, you, you don't yeah. you don't have to pitch yeah. like you're pitching yeah. the ninth inning in the yeah. bullpen or when these guys come up yeah. between innings and all of a sudden they're throwing their best so, stuff and stuff like right. that. It's like yeah, you, you just get loose and get ready for the actual pitches that yeah. matter. Now I'm gonna transition this into coaching. So when I was coaching, uh, you know, boys baseball and and girls softball, I I would I would run into. Guys would play and, and girls would play like with other teams, and then when I have my teams, whether it was an all-star team or something like that, they were used to their certain routine. And I'd go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're warming up way too much." And they go, "Well, but this is my routine. This is what my coach has always had me done." And seriously, they would throw an entire game in a bullpen session before the game, and I'm, I'm going, "No, save your best stuff." And I'd, some, I'd have to talk to their parents, and they go, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense." I, and how come we've never heard that before? It's because either these coaches are inexperienced, they read a book somewhere, or just they've seen everybody else do it. And you wonder why, especially when you're playing like tournament ball. It's like, no. And you're playing, you know, five, six games in a weekend and 90, 100 degree you know, temperature. It's about conserving. And there's so many people that are doing it wrong. And I'm not saying... I'm this innovator or genius, but again, it's common sense. Just common sense comes into play. It's like less is more. Get loose, get warmed up. But when I would see this, it, it would it would infuriate me, and I would just have to say, stop, you're good. And it would mess with these pitchers' minds like, well, I, I, I've only got a quarter of my routine done yet. Don't worry. Trust me. You're going to be fine. And it, it literally would, would mess with their heads. And definitely, you know how it is with youth baseball and youth softball, it messed with their parents' heads, too. Well, and yeah. I'd have to hear about that. Well, and the other thing that it also does is that's why a lot of times, especially back when that kind of stuff, and I don't know what it's like today if coaches still use that philosophy or if they don't, because it does seem like with the pitch count and that, that maybe they'd be more cognizant of it. But that's why you'd see some guys that were superstars in the Little League or something like that. And even by the time they got to high school, their arms were already thrown out or something like that, you know? And, I mean, the the old thing, uh, when I was a kid, it was always like, you can't throw a breaking ball. You can't throw a breaking ball when you're, you know, because, oh, it takes a torque on your arm and everything. Yeah, wait till you're like but, 14 but or 15. But like you yeah. said, if you got a kid out there and he's throwing in a complete game and he's throwing nothing but fastballs for seven innings or whatever a Little League game is, and then he goes well, out talking, there and he tries. I'm talking high school. Yeah, but I'm saying, whether it's seven innings or nine yeah. or whatever, right, but yeah. you do see some kids, and they burn themselves out before they ever get the chance to really be something. So, yeah, and again, I don't know exactly what the proper thing is because I'm not a coach and I haven't done anything, but, you know, there's some people that think, you know, like we're talking about Otani, and some people think he's as good as he is because they do have that incredibly hard work regiment over there, and they do play like practices or games and that and sometimes. But I think it's got to be going by every individual kid. What's good for one isn't necessarily good for somebody else. I remember interviewing Bob Feller years ago, you know, from the olden days, you know, when he used to say that the pitch counts and all that, he hated all that kind of stuff. Well, we didn't throw – I worked on the farm. I threw bales of hay. I did this and that. Okay, and that worked for you. What worked for you might have destroyed somebody else or whatever. So, But, you know, it's I don't know that there's a right or wrong answer, but it seems like there's some answers that are more right than others. It, for me, there's not a right or wrong. It's just pure common sense. For the sure. More, the more strain but that's that an endangered put, species. Yeah, when you, when you, the more strain that you put on your arm and your elbow and your forearm and your wrist, 
Okay, the, plain, plain and simple. You, you got to be aware of that. And I don't discount pitch counts. I don't discount that at all. I I I, I believe that again. It, it, it's wear and tear. And again, for if you're a starting pitcher and you're going to get 40 to 50 starts during the course of a major league baseball season, you do have to be careful. But as a manager, you've got to know your players. You got to know you know your pitcher. And if he's rolling along, and you got to know what's behind your pitcher. You got to know what the bullpen's like. And if you know that your best shot is, you know, I'll use Max Scherzer as an as an example. If you know that you really don't got much behind Scherzer, you really don't have a good setup guy, and your closer is okay, then if Max is under a hundred, you you don't you don't pull him just because you're rolling it's the ninth with him. Inning. You're rolling with him, playing simple, and you might do night might not do that every game, but especially if the guy's got a two hitter going. He's got 10 strikeouts and maybe one walk, and his pitch count is manageable. Then you roll with it. But we've seen guys like Davey Roberts and other people like that that just throw it out the window. Kevin Cash in the World Series last year with Blake Snell. Again, that's where the common sense, it's right in front of you. We're talking about the home run derby and the terrible Tuesday stuff. This stuff is right in front of you. Don't overthink it. And I think that's the problem that gets me. Now, going back to Otani, here's a guy that is a pitcher and he's a fielder and he's a hitter and we went through all this hype with him the last couple of years but this year he's excelling basically in all aspects i mean look at the home runs that, that he's hitting and you know his pitching outings have been pretty good but we have seen an outing where he couldn't get an out i mean the yeah. that game against the yankees he's had bad games he's had some bad games he has control issues so we're so protective and here's my point we're so protective of the pitchers of protecting their arms, long-term, everything. Sure, granted, the Angels might not be going anywhere, but Joe Mann's not thinking that. They, everybody still thinks they have a shot. You still got you know another, whatever, you know, 60 games to go here, 70 games to go. So you've, you've got to protect your pitchers. It's like with Otani, yeah, go ahead, pitch. Go ahead, hit. Go ahead, lead off. Go ahead and be in this home run derby, and go ahead and and you know swing the bat, you know, a hundred, hundred and fifty times or whatever. And you're going to pitch tonight. You're going to be a starting pitcher. It's like we're just throwing out all the concerns all together because this is our showcase, and this guy is kind of a freak of nature. He's our guinea pig. They're treating this guy like a sideshow tonight. So he's like a superhero. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's like a baseball superhero, right. like Mister Angel, right? And so there's no way in the world that anybody else would be in a home run derby and go out there and pitch tonight because their manager or whatever would come back and say, no, don't do this, especially if it's a Shearzer and you know, the Nats think that they're in a, in a playoff push or something like that. You know, we saw what Aaron Boo did to, to Garrett Cole. He you know, said, hey, you know, I know you want to pitch in the All-Star game, but I'm calling Kevin Cash and said, hey, Kevin, please don't use our guy. But with Otani, all of this goes out the window. So, again, n- not going to predict this, but I'm just going to say it would not surprise me if Otani does not look sharp tonight on the mound or at the plate. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And why should it? The guy was gassed. I mean, literally, he was gassed last night. Well, and I think the bigger concern if you're an Angel fan and certainly looking ahead to the future is regardless of how he looks tonight, how's he going to look for the second half of the season? There you go. 
He, you know, because of, like you said, you know, and okay, it's not pitches when you're throwing from right field, but you're still using your arm. It's In fact, it's a different kind of throw when you're throwing from right to third or something like that trying to throw. It's even more of a strain. It's a different distance. It's everything else. There's a lot of things in there. So, so yeah, he's asking his body and his muscle memory and everything to do a lot of different things. Okay, you're going to throw 120 from 60 feet 6 inches, but then you're going to gun run from, gun one from the corner in right field trying to throw a guy at a third or at home or something else. That's a lot of different things, and it's things that people don't necessarily think about. So, yeah, I mean, Otani's being asked to do a lot of different roles right now, and then, like you say, swinging the bat and other things. So we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, I, I, I just hope that he has a long career and that something doesn't happen where, you know, he becomes like a Bo Jackson type of a player or something like that where oh he can do everything oh wait one injury and all of a sudden he's completely done although it was in a different sport and football and that kind of stuff you never know i mean everybody has a breaking point you know, and stick to the angels family you go to david clyde way back when i mean this guy was a phenom and that's you know what, what happened to him you know arm got burned out but had an injury so but it's the thing with otani Back to this is it'll be interesting tonight because this is your showcase and he is your superstar. You don't have Mike Trout, okay? There are other guys, superstars that aren't playing tonight. So this has turned into the Otani show. It started last night with a home run derby, making a big deal. It's the headlines. He's pitching. It's Babe Ruth. We haven't seen this since Babe Ruth, going back 100 years. I mean, it is ridiculous. So our you going to keep this guy in the game? Because we know he's probably only, only going to pitch one inning. Maybe he pitches two innings. Okay, but now people want to see this guy hit because this is what he's more famous for. You can say he's a dual guy. He's a pitcher. He's a hitter. But no. What, 36 home runs or whatever it is he's got this year? Yeah, they want to see the 500-foot bomb. So in order for him to get multiple at-bats, he's going to have to play another position tonight. Yeah, you know? he's going to the outfield if he stays in the game. Yeah, he's, he's going he's gonna to have to, you know, to, to stay in the game. So that's what I'm curious because a pitcher, you know, he could be your, your, your ace, your starting pitcher, which we always see the two starting pitchers, the best uh, pitcher in the American League in the first half of the season, the best pitcher for the NL the first half of the season. They, they may get two innings and then they're done. They're most likely they're on a plane. They're, they're out of here. Get ready for their next start, which would probably be like, you know, Friday, Saturday or something like that. And if Otani is going to be on the Sunday pitching routine, which we've seen before with the Angels, so that means, you know, he pitches tonight. How well rested is he going to be considering what he, he did in the home run derby and everything else and how much he does play tonight? Is he going to be ready for Sunday? Well, I guess as the old saying goes, only time will tell, but it is going to be interesting. But I just thought of something right now. Can we get a patent right now? Yeah, patent. Can we get a patent on just start calling him Shotani? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, since he is the show, since he is what everybody's coming to see, since of all the names in the All-Star game, he's the one that everybody's talking about. He didn't win the home run derby. He's still the one that people are talking about. Right. You know, he's not the best pitcher in baseball, but he's the one that everybody's talking about. Let's let, let's just get the patent right now. Shotani, when he comes to town, you got to check him out. Who do you think's a better player? Otani or Ichiro? Well, I, I think Ichiro was a better, maybe, obviously just contact hitter and all-around baseball player. 
But Otani's got the power and that kind of stuff that he can hit it out of the yard and things like that. So I think that makes him more valuable in a lot of people's minds out there. And I don't think Ichiro could pitch, obviously. So no, that, no. that's certainly but something Otani can who, do. But who's the better player? Who The better fundamental yeah. baseball player to me would be Ichiro right. because he was a great outfielder. He didn't make mistakes. He always threw the right base. He ran bases very well. He was a great contact hitter. And one thing that people don't know about Ichiro was, although he didn't put up 25 or 30 home runs a year, there's a good chance that he could have. I oh. saw him in a home run derby contest at Comiskey oh, no. Park. He could jack it. And, and he jacked it out of the park when he went for that. He mm. knew that his job was to set the plate for the guys but behind him. But look how him. many homers he hit but playing in Japan. He had those oh, kind yeah. of numbers. He did. Yeah. And he's more than now, now, they were smaller fences, and you can argue that maybe yeah, the, pitchers but... weren't, the pitchers weren't the same quality. But no, no, he, 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 was an, he was an excellent baseball player. But when he came over here... It's kind of like that guy that was a great scorer in college and he comes to a pro team like a B.J. Armstrong and goes, you know what, I'm not getting 25 shots a game here with this team. i got to learn my role. He played his role to his best ability over here in Major League Baseball. It was a different role than in Japan because in Japan he was expected to do everything and he did. I wonder sometimes what kind of power numbers he could have put up if that's what he went to, but he sacrificed several home runs a year for an extra, what, 40 to 60 points on his batting average. Well, the guy was a hitting machine. And here's the thing, too. I mean, he did it for a long period of time. A long, long time. I mean, a long time. And he and, and he really made the game more worldwide. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people over in, in Japan and even other countries in Asia, that they would show some of those Seattle games live. Right. It would be three. We talk about Buck Power, Paul, and that kind of stuff. I mean, they'd be showing games live at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning just because Ichiro was playing. And remember, Ichiro came over here like in his 30s, you know? He, he came, oh, yeah. He came, yeah, he'd already won over. like, what, seven or nine yeah. batting titles so or something like that's that. That's when he got here. So, American. And he had a ton. How many hits would he have had in Major League Baseball if he would have played his whole career here? If he was here in his prime. Think about that. You I know? mean, he, he could. And I don't want to sound. I don't want people to think I'm out of my mind or something. But is it out of the realm of possibility that he could have maybe challenged Pete Rose? Absolutely could have. Yeah, if he would play his entire career here. But I've talked to some people. I know that's ridiculous. It's, it's like think about it. It's like no, you don't realize how good he was. Well, that's Japan, really, because he was super successful here, and he was a younger, yeah. better version of himself yeah. over there. Yeah, and again, uh, just for the the longevity. I mean, that you know, for me, twenty plus years, no matter where you play. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see each row in his twenties. It, it would have. All right, uh, you know one of my favorite things, and we've talked about this before, is the uh, American Century Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe. Beautiful yeah. surrounding, yeah. beautiful course, and boy, if you ever want to see a who's who of yes. professional athletes, now wow, I, I grew up there, and well, you grew we up both, there. I don't. Yeah, know that's true. That's true. Really. That's true. But <laughs> you know, we both broadcast there, and it, it's a great place to go and that's on my list every when i go back to sacramento i go to edgewood every year uh if not to play golf just to have lunch or just hang out because i love lake tahoe and i i love that course and i've always uh enjoyed this this tournament as well too so there are a couple side stories uh to this tournament so first of all the charles barkley story kind of takes center stage here and charles barkley as we know is a horrendous golfer but he has spent some time uh, trying to improve his game and worked on his game and says, you know, I'm going to be much better this year. And instead of finishing last and being the laughing stock, well, they had a prop on the board. Of course, you can bet 
on all of these golfers and where they finish and who wins and all that stuff because they're on the board there in Tahoe. And there was a prop where would Barkley finish in the top 70. And that was out of like 95 golfers or something like that? 85 golfers. Okay, 85. Yeah, 85 golfers. And where would Barkley finish? Top 70. And so Barkley said, I'm betting on myself. And he did. And he did. He put $100,000 on himself. So here's Charles Barkley talking about this last week. Well, I put $100,000 on myself, so I feel very confident. Oh, $100,000 on yourself. So... Are you feeling yep. good? Are you feeling good about that bet after today? Well, I'm uh, I'm in the top. I think I'm like 77 to 78 after the first day, uh, so I feel really good. And I and I screwed up myself today. I could have played a lot better, uh, but I'm very happy with where I'm at. Okay, so now when you look around, are there guys you say, okay, I know I can beat him. I know I can beat him. I know I can beat him. You start checking off the list. G- give us some guys you know you can beat. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's actually, I don't know that. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm playing very well. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I've been I've been getting better the last couple of years, Stan. Yeah. And I think I'm going to play really well all three days. But I had to take that bet because if I win that bet, I win $500,000. So, hey, I was going to gamble anyway. Might as well gamble on myself. There you go. Five to one odds you uh, can't beat. All me. right. Charles Barkley uh, betting on himself. Uh, uh, Stan Verrett from ESPN interviewed him. That was after Barkley's first round. There, where he said he was like seventy seventh or seventy eighth right. of the eighty five golfers. Right. So we know where Charles Barkley finished. He tied for seventy sixth. So he did not win the bet. <laughs> he did not win the bet. And like you said, if he would have hit that, then he would have made more money than anybody else. So I'll get to that in a minute. But back to uh, to Barkley. Um, I'm going to give you a list of names. And guys that finished behind Charles Barkley, who do you finish? Who do you think? And Barkley's finished dead last on numerous occasions, and where it's just been really embarrassing for him. So he's embraced this now. He's embraced it. Where we're like, okay, hey, but now he's getting serious. He wants, you know, to improve his game. Thinks he's improved the game. He really hasn't really improved it well, that much. And, and he was in one of those match things that they had once with the golf too. Oh yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah. And embarrassed I mean, himself. He, I mean, yeah. he, he embarrasses himself. Yet he, no. like you said, he kind of embraces it mm-hmm. because he knows his swing is absolutely horrible. Why hasn't he gotten a swing coach to make it better? I know he just kind of defiant in that sense. All right, so I'm going to give you a list of names who finished behind Barkley. You tell me who finished dead last. How's that? All right, here's our here's our here, here's our names. Uh, Justin Tuck, Demarcus Ware, Al Michaels, Ray Romano, Sean McDermott, Doug Flutie, Kevin Nealon. Where's our Jeopardy music? What are you doing over here, Numchuck? Let's go. I'm gonna say Kevin Nealon because I have no idea. Kevin Nealon. All right, Numchuck, you got a guess here? Without looking, you already know. Well, he probably there already he knows. He oh, probably looked yeah. his stuff up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. So that's cheating. Plus, there he can't is. talk anyhow. All right. That's why he stays behind the glass. So finished eighty fifth. You said Kevin Nealon. He finished eighty fourth. So pretty good on your part there. Pretty good. For just a total shot in the dark, as Ozzy would say. Al Michaels dead last. I was thinking Al Michaels might be not terrible. Well, but just the fact that he was behind him yeah. probably should have let me know that he was terrible. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really sure exactly where they'd be or whatever because I haven't seen those guys golf. So Yeah, yeah. CeCe Zabathia would have been dead last, but he didn't finish. He, he, he quit after the first round. But, yeah, Al Michaels uh, dead last. 
But he's 76 years old. Yeah. So, okay. You know. But anyway. All right. So here's the other part of this story that is kind of interesting. So the winner, and we've had some pretty good ballots. I mean, Rick Roden, the former pitcher of the Dodgers. Pitchers he, and quarterbacks seem to do very well in this tournament. And hockey guys do very well as well, Well, they have the well natural too. swing. I mean, the drive and everything. It's yeah. like taking a slap right. shot, you right. know? I mean, if it was... Some of the players, they wouldn't hit the net. Yeah. But. So Mike Madonna, he was up there in, in the top five, top six. Uh, but we, we've seen, you know, I mean, Patrick Waugh back in the day, he used to play this tournament, play, uh, do very well. But it came down to Vinny Del Negro and John Smoltz. And uh, Vinny Del Negro, former basketball player, uh, he played with the Sacramento Kings, you know, still lives in Northern California. So Vinny uh, beat out John Smoltz. In a playoff. That's an accomplishment because Smoltz has done very well up there. Smoltz, is a, he's pretty much a scratch golfer. Well, he's, he's a professional golfer. So here's the, the kick to the story here is that the first prize money was $125,000. And Vinny Del Negro won but did not get paid. Did he bet it all on Charles Barkley? No. <laughs> no. Because this is considered a professional tournament. Vinny Del Negro is an amateur. So he could not take the check. So the money went to John Smoltz because he's a pro. Paid that man his so money. he got the money for not winning the tournament. Hence my terrible Tuesday, part two here. Wow, that's is is that a terrible Tuesday or a bad beat? Uh, <laughs> how about some bad organization? If you're offering prize money. Again, I get the amateur well, situation that tees up should be in a Masters or something. This is a charity golf tournament, right? And, and it's not like Vinny Del Negro is trying. He's not a pro because he's trying to keep his college eligibility or exactly. something like that. Exactly. I mean, he's an older guy. Why? But did Vinny? De, I wonder. Did Vinny Del Negro know this going into it? Why wouldn't you just? I mean, I don't know how hard it is to turn pro. Do you just ask for your card? Is it like buying a fishing license or something? I don't know. But if you think you have a chance to win that thing, to turn pro. I know, right? Because John Smoltz is a pro, which would surprise just about everybody, right? He's it no doesn't different totally than all these other guys. It doesn't totally surprise me because I know he golfs all the time, and I know he's done very well up there. And I know he's one of these, like a Tony Rono and Troy Aikman and some of those guys that have tried to, you know, played in some professional tournaments and that before. So, But what amazes me then is like, so I wonder what the breakdown is of those 85 golfers, how many of them are pro and how many aren't. Is Charles I mean, Barkley Charles a pro? Barkley can't be a pro golfer. Right. Right, exactly. So maybe that's why he's betting on himself. Yeah, yeah. To, to now, not, now, not that he has to worry about winning the first place prize money. But what about appearance fees? You would think would 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 be in line here. But like any other term, there's six hundred thousand dollars in prize money. So you're going to pay out, you know, the top probably thirty guys to make some money. So are like Steph Curry and guys like that who have done pretty well in golf up there is. Is, does he also have his pro golfer's card? I don't know. That's you know, the question. Mike Arruzzioni, you mentioned hockey players. Yeah, in that. I mean, yeah. now I'm starting to wonder. Right. I know the one the one year that I was up there and just standing at the tee and watching the guys when they're practicing their drives and that, I remember Mark McGuire just crushing the ball. Now, he also hooked them sometimes and really would be out of bounds and I stuff. Sliced them into the lake, you know, too, yeah. And yeah. then, you know, Jerry Rice always had to look perfect on yeah. every swing and everything. But, but, yeah, but now I'm wondering, it's like, okay, so over the 85 – what is the breakdown? How how many guys are actually eligible for this prize money? Right. You know? Don't know. That's again, I was shocked when I when I heard this. It's like Vinny Del Negro, he's been in this tournament before and he's a 
very good golfer. So, Vinny, if you're not a pro, you should be a pro. Well, and you, you, figured, you just beat a whole bunch of pros. Well, and like you mentioned, the fact that he has been in the tournament before in that, and he's had some pretty good finishes, has he lost prize money in other years? <laughs> Even if it's not the top prize money, right. with 600000 in prize money, I'd it's got to go, what, five or six deep or yeah. top ten or something. So yeah. how much money has he lost by yeah. going up there? Not just being up in Tahoe and getting all the amenities and everything oh, they sure. get. is it's, it's a nice little perk, but 125 k would make it a lot nicer. Right, exactly. And be, Get be, a new set of clubs with that. Because John Smoltz plays professionally, he can get the prize money. So now we don't know John Smoltz, don't know the relationship you know, and John Smoltz had to get on a plane and go to Colorado because he's on the broadcast with Joe Buck tonight. So we'll we'll hear John Smoltz. We'll, it'll be interesting to see if they bring up his his uh, tournament in Tahoe, his American Championship yeah, Championship, yeah, yeah, American Century <laughs> Classic Championship, right? Exactly that he really didn't win. So be listening for the another reason to watch the All Star Game he tonight. Got the first place prize money. That's the winner to me. So like I said, don't know John Smoltz, and and you know I know Vinny Del Negro a little bit. I'm hoping. That John Smoltz says, hey, Vinny, let's go cash the check. Here you go. And he's going to give either Vinny the money, all of it, partial something. But, I mean, he should get it all, right? Go cash Vinny's check for him. Well, he should at least take him to Hank's or something. Right. Like that. Get him a nice steak's dinner. I don't know. but Friday yeah. Station, my friend. Friday Station, the steakhouse there in Tahoe at Harris. Outstanding. Just like Hank's. So there you go. That's where they need to go. Yeah, I, don't, I, mean, yeah I mean, you would think that he would do something for him. And the other thing that I always wonder, it's like, as much as the Maddox brothers like to golf, how come they're not up there? Why aren't they winning that thing? Uh, I've Well, Greg, uh, I think I have seen Greg up there. Well, and Mike is usually Mike, working this time of yeah, year. So. Mike is working. He's with yeah, he's always out. a pitching coach. Right. With, yeah, he's yeah. always with somebody. But I think, I think Greg has participated. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Mike's one of those guys that he's always going to have a job because oh, he's just a Mike. great pitching coach. Love Mike. Love Mike. All right, we come back. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us. We're going to talk Team USA struggles. Why wasn't he up there? Would he beat Charles Barkley? So, you know, you can ask him that question. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, him and I have had this conversation before. So we will let's, – let's bring that up because I know the answer to this. All right, the big seven-footer. Talk Team USA and preview game number four tomorrow night, Buck Suns. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. The NBA Finals got a couple days off here, but uh, resumed tomorrow night as the Bucks are hosting the Phoenix Suns. Bucks won game number three in a resounding fashion, 120 to 100. We'll see if uh, they can tie up the series and really make a series of it. But uh, Phoenix wins on the road in Milwaukee tomorrow night, commanding 3-1 lead with two of the final three games in Phoenix. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it with the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. What's going on, my man? Hey, today's a great day. Uh, nice to relax. I, I got some exercise in. I know you'll like that. I got some nice soup for lunch. I know you love that. So I'm just, I'm just getting it right. All right, man. Uh, we got a lot to talk about here. And uh, first and foremost, Team USA, uh, they're in action as we speak in their third exhibition game against Argentina right now. But uh, the first two games have not gone well for USA at all. Losing to Nigeria, which was a total embarrassing as a 28.5-point underdog. And then Australia, as we know better than Nigeria, uh, USA was a 16.5-point favorite. 
they couldn't get the job done there. They are 0-2 and, and coming into this 54-2 and in exhibition games. And uh, we know that a lot of people are using the word panic. But, you know, for me, it's that this, this, this roster is not constructed as it should be. And it's still disappointing and frustrating to see these guys losing. But it shouldn't be total surprise that they're struggling. And I'm not one of these guys, Bill, that think it's going to be a quick fix. If you're struggling now, I think you're going to struggle in the Olympic Games. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that, you know, every year, uh, you know, the USA has, has good games. And everybody talks about, oh, they blew everybody out. They didn't blow anybody out. They ended up beating them. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was no blowout. And look, to me, this, these games are exhibition games. These games, they don't mean really anything, considering they do not have their full roster. And, you know, and let's face it, we talked about this. If you can beat the USA, that's like you just want a gold medal for these guys. So, to me, their intent in going in this game uh, and, and the fact that these teams have had an opportunity to practice for months and we've just, just gotten together, um, I think they, you know, they probably shouldn't win some of these games because it means more to them. I do believe that we still have the best players, and I agree that we can't, we have to change ourselves and, uh, for one thing, be able to guard these guys, pick up full court and guard these guys, uh, and play some bigger guys. Uh, that would be nice. And attack these guys inside and take them to task. That would be great. Um, and it's, it's just up to them. You know, this is, we still have the best team, I think. I think that those guys, I'm sorry, let's take that back. We have the best players. There you go. There you go. Right. We have the best players. Now, we may not have the best team, but we better figure that out real quick because those guys have played together. A lot of those guys have played together since they were teens. They know each other. Um, and more importantly, they are dying to beat the U.S. Dying. So, so we'll see if we come out with that same that same focus, with that same intensity. Now, the the USA team is going to win their share of games, and they're going to you know blow out you know some teams. But I think it really starts with the construction of the roster when you have players that are not there, and we know that if we were constructing this team to represent uh, the United States the best way possible. Steph Curry would be on this team. James Harden would be on this team. LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, just to mention a few, those guys would be on this team. Throw Kyrie or Kyrie Irving in there as well, too. But, you know, some guys, okay, uh, injuries. Clay Thompson, we understand that. Injuries. But then a lot of these guys have just declined. And I think that's the problem that I have. That's the problem that a lot of other people have. And I know you could say, oh, freedom of choice or whatever, but you know darn well, Bill, if you were invited to play uh, on the U.S. Olympic team to represent your country and go play for a gold medal, no matter what, you would take the opportunity to do it. But we're just using convenient excuses that we're tired or whatever. If Kevin Durant, a guy who has battled back from injury, a guy who plays year-round basketball, who you know played up until, what, the second round of the playoffs, if he's saying, hey, 
guys, I'm in, then everybody else could be in as well too. And then we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We wouldn't be having this conversation of a, we're not sending our best guys that there's this potential to lose. Because right now, there is this great potential to lose. A very big possibility that they are not going to win the gold medal. And then then you're going to have people really losing it and going ballistic. Because let's flash back to 29, 30 years ago. You know, why we constructed the Dream Team in Barcelona in 1992. Because our Olympic players were not good enough in many people's eyes. So we had to get our Americans. And then we blew everybody out. And then that wasn't good enough. Well, they're professionals. I mean, come on. Even though Russia had professionals long before us. So this this thing is just goofy, and it could just go very, very simple of send your best every Olympiad, every world championship, and we wouldn't even have this argument. Well, maybe maybe it is a change of the guard. Maybe, you know, the fact that we did get beat and the Dream Team showed up and they, they beat the target of everybody and we won every single year. Maybe that's over. Maybe that era of guys that are concerned about playing on the USA team and Olympic team, maybe for them, and and I don't know. I think you're uh, right. I think you're right. It, it, it's a shame, it, it but you're right. Other things are more important. And like you said, Rudy Gobert, it, it's it's really important to Rudy Gobert. Joe Ingles last night, you know, for Australia, of course, Patty Mills is still playing. What's Patty Mills, in his 40s? The, yeah, it's more yeah. important to these guys. And I guess that's that's the shame part of it. Yeah, and it's you know, and, and it's timing. It's it's all of that. It's injury. This year has been an injury plague year. We talked about that. We're not really sure why, but uh, but but it has been. And um, I I don't think that I or it doesn't feel like it has that same luster to to win, represent the country, uh, and, uh, and and win a medal. It doesn't mean. What it used to be. Now, in those other countries, it means everything. That's really important. Pride for your country, pride for your family, uh, beating the U.S., which is, is number one. Um, it, it's, it's huge. It means everything. It's something they'll never forget their entire lives. But, uh, but for us, seemingly, it doesn't mean as much. And, 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 and let's face it, you know, basketball has changed. And, you know, what's interesting is that, and this is, you know, and I never talk a lot about when I played, like, these crazy stories, because everybody wants to talk about, well, when I played, we did this and that. But, I, you know, I have people younger than me that are just not curious about basketball anymore. And it's because of the style of play. It's because of of, of this non-defense, this this uh, crazy three-point shots is not playing together. This individual play—it's uh, it's not as much fun. So, uh, and that's not coming from me. That's coming from a lot of people who were big basketball fans. They just don't watch. They don't watch anymore. Right. So, um, it's, it's just maybe an end of an era. Just like it could be an end of an era. They, there may be no more dynasties because of free agency. Uh, all of that's over, so it's just it's just like everything that that evolves. But uh, um, this may be the the uh, end of the importance right now um, to uh, USA basketball and Olympic basketball until something bad happens for guys to come back. And maybe that's what it takes. That's what it took before. 
uh, being embarrassed, losing, uh, everybody wanted to come back in and, and show us. So I don't know. Maybe we have to learn a lesson. You know, Bill, it seems like everybody's always trying to point to one thing for why things are the way they are. Is it that simple when you look at USA basketball and international play? Because some people will just say, well, the world's caught up to us. Some people say, well, there's different rules in the Olympics and the international game that they don't necessarily have in the NBA. You mentioned the pride of other places. Other players from other countries are asked, would you rather win an NBA championship or uh, or an Olympic gold medal? And some of those players from other countries will say an Olympic gold medal. I don't know how many USA players would say that because they're all playing for the money and everything else. So is it one thing or is it just a combination of everything, the perfect storm, where right now the rest of the world is catching up, but there's a lot of other factors involved as well? Well, I think that, you know, it is a lot of it, a lot of different things, I believe. But uh, – but you gotta want to play. You know, Kevin Durant's playing a lot. We have this, there's a lot of stars not playing for whatever reason. It's not important to them. And it's just interesting that uh, those other guys. And why mention them? Those guys need to be recruited because it's not important to them right now. Not right now. Maybe later on it will be. And and like I said, maybe it's gonna take losing. And, and and being embarrassed uh, before we step up, and that is important again because you know we've been so dominant. Basketball is our sport. We can't beat anybody in soccer. It's not our sport. Basketball is our sport. How do you uh, feel? No. How do you feel about Kevin Love being on this roster? Um, I think it's interesting. <laughs> Come on, man! Don't sugarcoat it. No, I'm no. I don't have to sugarcoat it. I I, I think there's younger guys. I think there's, there's there's better players. But look, why does Kevin Love want to play? <laughs> why 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 does he want to play? At least he wants to play. Yeah, that's that's why he's on the roster. He wants to play. Those other guys don't want to play. So you know, I really can't bash the guy. Because the guy wants wants to represent his country. No, I'm not bashing the guy, and I don't think you're bashing the What's guy. The bottom line is, you, you bash. I'm bashing the system. I'm bashing about we're reaching out, and we're you know people are supposed to buy this. Hey, he's got experience. He's won a gold medal before, and he's gonna you know tutor some of these younger players. I mean, that's that's just nonsense. They're looking to fill roster spots. They've got eight guys on this team right now. They got eight guys, and they're waiting for three more guys. And those three guys are Devin. Booker, Chris Middleton, and what, Brooke Lopez? These guys are not going to be difference makers. So the the product that we're seeing in these exhibition games now, it's going to be the same thing. It's not like I said, hey, Steph Curry and, and, and the gang, they're, they're, they're coming to Tokyo to, to rescue us, so we'll just buy time, so no need to press the panic button here. It's not like those three guys are going to, to push USA over the top. Now, are they going to win a medal? I sure hope so. I think everyone thinks they better. Are they going to win the gold medal? Of course, they're still the favorite to do it, and they should, as you say. There's still plenty enough talent. But when you look at the roster, I'm just saying it is the worst roster that I can remember that Team USA has put together. And again, it's it's when Bradley Beal is your your number two guy, and then we're, you're asking, uh, you know, Kevin, Dur- are you asking Kevin Durant and specifically Draymond Green to get boards? I mean, there is no inside presence here. I know that's got to irritate you, 
There is no rebounding whatsoever. When you're getting out-rebounded by, by seven to Australia and you're getting uh, outscored by 20 points, 42 to 22 in points in the paint, th- that has never happened before for a Team USA team. Never. Well, well, let me ask you. Uh, I see Draymond Green there. Uh, and look, to me, if you don't want to play, you don't have to play. But but where where is Steph Curry? Doesn't want to play. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm taking shots at him. Yeah, they, these guys don't want to play because that's the way the system is. But it's so funny because Rudy Gobert and these other guys that, that are, have played deeper into the playoffs uh, than Steph Curry and some of these other guys, they're playing. And it goes back to, of course, it's, it means a lot to them to do it. So I'm just not buying the, hey, I need the vacation you know, time here. But again, it's the roster. And I guess if you're Jerry Colangelo, you're putting together this roster, you got to do a better job of, of, of getting the right guys. And again, maybe you got to go back, like you said, to make it important again. And then we had this argument, you know, 10 years ago, a couple Olympiads ago, when we started to see guys taking time off again, it's like, uh, I'm tired and that sort of thing. You just, you got to find the right guys that want to be there. And, but then again, you got to have some inside play. You got to have some wing play. You got to have some point guard play. And it just seems like that they're short on all areas here. That's, that's what yeah. I mean. So, so, so let me ask you, if LeBron is not playing, who's been, who's hurt? And, and Steph, who was dragging into the playoffs, if they're not playing, why why does why would anybody else want to play? Huh? That's terrible to think. It's like, a, hey, you gonna join this team? Oh yeah, uh, well I, I I am. So yeah, you're gonna play? Oh I'm not. Oh I'm out. I mean that's I can't. We're relieved like we're talking about join the AAU team or a pickup team here. It is ridiculous that we're that we're actually. This is our uh-huh. mindset for our country's national basketball team so yeah i don't know i don't know to me if guys are hurt and i don't feel like they can they can play they shouldn't be playing but i'm just saying that if you're if you're gonna hold guys responsible you gotta hold the best guys responsible uh to play yeah so I agree. If, yeah. if you can't recruit those guys why is anybody else playing or, or care about playing. Hey, like I said, there, there's a myriad of, of problems here with this. The way this organization is is gone. Hey, do you, do you buy this stuff when people like LeBron come out and say that the reason that there were injuries in the NBA playoffs all over the place this year was because of the quick turnaround after the bubble and everything? And some of the players, and I think he's the one that basically said, "I'm not going to the Olympics because I'm just burnt out. I I I am beat up right now. It hasn't been the normal season the last couple of years. Everything's different and." They're, they're basically saying, I've played too much basketball and I need a break from it. He would have had a month off before he would have started practicing. But I'm, I'm just saying but that's one yeah. of his reasons I know. I know. or yeah. some would say excuses. Yeah. And he said that before, you know, uh, they got eliminated in the playoffs. Right. He thought, oh, you know, yeah, by the time we make a run. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. But, but, but we don't know. For me, we don't know. I don't know if he's hurt or not. And, and if you're hurt, you're hurt. You can't play. So, and, and luck. This is something that nobody has to play. Nobody's being forced to play. It just it just is what it is. So, but but I'm just saying, if if, if you're going to hold uh, people responsible, you got to hold the best players responsible. And and to me, those guys have got to be recruited. And that starts two years ago. Getting those guys, getting those guys uh, uh, coming to the game and having some enthusiasm for it. So. Um, it is what it is. Hopefully, we'll get those guys back. Hopefully, those guys find themselves. Hopefully, they'll be able to guard somebody. They're beating uh, Argentina right now. 
and uh, uh, discover what kind of team they can create in a short period of time. But uh, this is the team we have, and uh, are they talented enough to win? I think so. I think they're. I think they're talented. And look, it's like anything. Uh, it's not like I'm, I still think our guys are talented. I I don't think we're. The other teams are as talented as us individually. So it's going to be us to be able to find ourselves as a team. And we, we can do it. We still got plenty. Let's see what happens. All right. Uh, Bucks tomorrow night. They're going to even it up. Game number four. Um, the Bucks found the formula. Finally, they uh, early, they went, they attacked inside, they created a foul situation. Um, and to me, that's the key. You've got to be able to attack them early at the basket, create mismatch situations, and then now, to me, that, that throws your team off of the entire game. That's exactly what happened. That's the formula. Um, what did the, um, you know, Phoenix score, what, 100 points for the game? Yep. And, and that's what you got to do. you got to be able to guard. Keep a team run a hundred, and it's going to be a Milwaukee's game. If they go back at that ridiculous style they were playing earlier, just uh, throwing the ball up the floor and not guarding anybody, not being aggressive, uh, they're going to have trouble. So uh, we've, we've seen it. We, we know the formula now. So here we go. All right. Hey, did you watch any of the uh, American Century Classic Golf Tournament uh, up at Tahoe? One of our favorite courses there at Edgewood. Watch it over the weekend. Uh, I tuned that in for a very short period of time. Uh, it, it was interesting. They they have all brands of golf. You know, when they started that thing, I was invited to go down golf um, down there, and uh, I did not uh, uh, take them up on that because uh, you know I'm I'm a summer hacker, but uh, um, people seem to love they love that. They they really do. There's some there's some really good golfers there. There were ex players, and there's uh, there's there's still crummy ones. Guys that play like me. So so is that why you declined because you didn't think you could hang? No, no. You know, to me, I I play golf for a reason. One for fun. Two to support a cause. So uh, I'm not I'm not digging. Uh, you know, to hang around a bunch of people and and you know just be gogged to play golf. It's uh, well, you know what you that's that's, that's not my you idea you and Vinny Del Negro for this are are the same way because Vinny Del Negro won the tournament, but he didn't even get the check because he's an amateur, and so John Smoltz, who finished second, got his got his hundred twenty five grand. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's it's. It's sewing, you know. I mean, golf, golf for a lot of those guys, and you know, uh, and, and congratulations to those guys. You know, Vinny, Vinny's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, so if, if, if you could benefit others by playing golf, uh, God, God bless you, because uh, most of us stink. <laughs> so especially you come out and play, really, people are gonna watch. Yeah, you. I'm not. So, I'm not playing golf with you anymore. You stink. I don't want to play with guys that stink. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you and I stink. <laughs> but one of the worst golfers, baby people. One of the worst golfers out there. 
Charles Barkley's one of the worst there is, and people love to watch him golf. He actually beat like eight guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That'll let you know how bad they are. All right, brother. Be good. Uh, watch the baseball night, All Star game, and then Game Four tomorrow night, NBA Finals, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, guys. Adios. There he is, Big Bill Cartwright. I want to thank him for joining us today, Steve Sachs as well. And uh, check out uh, the podcast on all the podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes. It's all there. And, of course, the website. Go check it all out. The blogs, the articles, the interviews. It's all there. TCMartinShow.com. Including sex, sex in the city? <laughs> sex in the morning? Oh, Coming to a, a city near you? I love a good sax. <laughs> love some sax. Mm, yeah. What's that?